just getting started in the new year. I just had a few weeks in our theme. We will get used to this, I'm sure, by the end of the year. Might even get tired of it by the end of the year, but you'll see this slide a number of times because this year our theme is Living by the Book. Our premise is that there are lots of ways to live life, lots of guides for life, lots of ideas about how to live life, but there is one book, we believe, that is infallible, that is the most accurate, the most helpful, the most uh, correct guide to living life because it was written by the Spirit of the living God. And our goal this year is to learn to live by that book a little bit better. Our first series, which we started last week, uh, actually we're starting it this week, we introduced it last week, is living eternally by the book. We want to live by the book, but we want to spend a few weeks thinking about living eternally. Uh, the rest of the year we'll work on living here on this earth and living this life by the book. Uh, but we want to start with this because it's the most important thing. Uh, our life here on earth will not last very long. Uh, it's a very fleeting thing. And what we're here preparing for is eternal life in heaven. That's our purpose uh, in this series, to understand how to do that. Uh, our method is going to be to follow the book, uh, not man. There are a lot of ideas, a lot of premises about how to get to heaven. Proverbs 14.12 says, there is a way that seems right to man. Uh, if I was writing that, I might change it and say there are a lot of ways that seem right to man. But in the end, it leads to death. A man has dreamed up all sorts of answers for how to live life and how to live eternally and how to get to heaven. But the only infallible guide is the book. So that's what we want to work on. Remember 1 Thessalonians 2.13, we've kind of a key verse. Uh, Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, he said, I thank God for you because when you received the word of God, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. That's what we want to do. Well, we want to accept this book as the actual Word of God. Uh, we can check out what men have to say, but we want to live by the book. Remember also in our introduction that we made a plan, and the first step of that plan was we were going to make sure that we know one part of the book. Uh, each of our topics, each of our series, we're going to see if we can learn and know one part of the book. Not the whole book. Uh, you don't have to read the Bible four hours a day. You don't have to memorize the Old Testament or the New Testament. Uh, you don't have to know all of it. We're just going to know a small part of it to live by the book. Usually one verse. Uh, the part that we propose to know this week is the verse that was just read for you, John 3.16. I doubt if there's anybody in here that hasn't heard this verse before. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him might shall not perish but have eternal life. I suppose it's the most famous verse in the Bible. You see it everywhere. Uh, football fans put up big signs that say John 3.16. 
Rainbow Man. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but Rainbow Man used to be at every sporting event in the world, I think, uh, always with John 3.16 somewhere. Uh, recently, Tim Tebow is probably the most famous for promoting John 3.16 with his eye black. Uh, gets a little positive attention for that and a little negative attention for that, but uh, he puts John 3.16 out there. Uh, it's a famous verse. Uh, Focus on the Family, many of you are familiar with that organization. They ran a TV commercial a while ago on a nationally televised NFL game uh, about John 3.16. And the next day, after that commercial, John 3.16 was the most searched for topic on the Internet. Everybody was Googling John 3.16 uh, to learn more about it. It must have been a pretty good commercial, and I looked it up, and I thought... We ought to see that. So let's just watch that very brief commercial about this famous verse. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, the whole world, everyone, anyone, that the lot of people, that he gave his one and only son, his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. <laughs> pretty good commercial, about a pretty good verse. Uh, I thought after I found that, I said, our Northside kids in Safari could probably make a, as good a commercial as that. Maybe the drama team can work on that sometime. Uh, anyhow, it's a famous verse. It's a, a good part of the book to know. But it's always good to have a little context uh, as we study a verse. So instead of starting with verse 16, uh, we're going to go back to the first of, first John, or of John chapter 3. And we're going to learn that the story is about Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And they watched Jesus pretty carefully. And so Nicodemus, one of them, had been watching Jesus, and it tells us in the first part of chapter 3 that Nicodemus believed that Jesus was a teacher come from God. He had watched him do miracles. He had seen how he interacted with people. He saw how he forgave the adulterous woman. He watched all of this, and he figured out that Jesus had to be from God. So he came to Jesus at night because he didn't want any of the other Pharisees to know that he was interested in Jesus. They wanted to kill him. So Nicodemus went to him at night. And if you read verses 3 through 15, we won't take time to read them all. But if you read them, you'll learn some of the things that Jesus and Nicodemus talked about. It says in there that they discussed the kingdom of God. They discussed heavenly things. They discussed heaven. They discussed eternal life. Now, I don't think we've got a complete transcript of everything that went on that night. Everything that they talked about. But if you read between the lines, you can conclude that Nicodemus probably thought he knew the way to heaven. He had been raised knowing the way. You keep these rules, you keep these big ten, and you keep all these other 600, and you just follow them as carefully as you can, and if you get them all right or close enough, then God will let you into heaven. That's what he believed. 
And then here came this man, Jesus, who didn't teach like that, who operated differently, who seemed to love sinners. And Nicodemus watched him long enough and saw him do miracles and all of that, and he figured out, if this guy's from God, I better find out the way to live eternally. So he went to Jesus at night, and he discussed these things, and Jesus taught him about the kingdom of God and heavenly things and heaven and eternal life. And in verse 16, Jesus gave his final answer. After this discussion, Jesus said, Nicodemus, because God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the final answer. Now, there's so much in that verse that we could make this the theme for the year. We, we could work on this verse all year. People have called this the gospel in a nutshell. People have said this verse is the North Star of the Bible. Folks have said, this verse is the hope diamond of Scripture. This is the foundation of faith. We must know this verse. So we're going to go through it piece by piece and see if we can get that first part of our plan accomplished where we know what this verse means. So let's start first with the for God part of it. For God, you've got to, got to believe in God. You've got to understand Him. Before you can live eternally. And that's where this verse starts. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. And that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So if you want to live eternally, here's where you got to start. you got to believe that God exists. And I'm guessing that 99.9% of everybody in here does. We don't need to talk about this long, but that's part of the verse. Believe in God. Second part, he so loved that God that we know about, or you need to learn about if you don't know about him, so loved. Now, the love of God, I'm not going to explain it today. In fact, if we just decided let's cancel this theme for the year and let's pick the love of God and we got to December 31st, I wouldn't have it fully explained. famous song that we sing says, The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. I can't explain it. I couldn't write a book to explain it completely. Well, we can understand a lot about it. But mainly we got to understand it is more than we can comprehend. God loves so much. And this verse says that that love, God is love, that the, the love that is God, he so loved. Third part, the world. God so loved the world. And the, here that world means humankind. It means all the world. All races, all nationalities, all colors, civilizations, uncivilized, whether you live in a big city or in the remotest jungle, whether you're a man or a woman or a Hebrew or a Gentile or a Greek, all the world. God so loved 
the world. Fourth, that he gave his one and only son. Here's another topic that we could talk all year about and not get it all covered. The incarnation of Jesus and the perfect life and his, him dying as a sacrifice for us and his resurrection, that whole story. And you know it. Uh, you know pieces of it. He gave his one and only son. God became man. This is the story of the whole Bible. You read in Genesis about the original sin, the fall. When Eve sinned and Adam followed and, and they fell and had to leave the garden because sin separates man from God. And then you read all of the Old Testament and you learn about the sacrificial system where God tried to teach them how horrible sin is and how it separates men from him and how a sacrifice is necessary to get them back together. Blood has to be shed to reconcile man to God. And in the Gospels, we read about the incarnation, how God became man. For what purpose? To live a holy life, to live a perfect life. And we read about that in the Gospels. And then to, to die for We remind ourselves of it every week, what he did. His body was broken and his blood was shed on the cross to be that sacrifice that brings man and God back together. And then we read about the, the resurrection and how God approved of his sacrifice. God accepted it, so he raised him back to life and he took him to heaven. We, we just sang a song about how, how deep the Father's love was that Jesus was the ransom. And that's one word for it. It's not the best word for it, but we understand what a ransom is. Somebody separated from their family and somebody pays the price to get them back. Redemption is a good word. Jesus redeemed us from the guilt and the power of sin by a sacrifice. The great Christ hymn in Philippians chapter 2, parts of it say, Jesus, being in very nature God. He was God. And he made himself nothing. He came to this earth, and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the story. That, that's what we need to know about the fact that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Fifth, that whoever, that whoever. When we read the world, that little piece of it, that meant everybody. The whoever means anybody. It's everybody, but it's more particularly anybody. Because, you see, some folks think, well, I've sinned too much. There's no way God could ever love me. Well, whoever covers that. You're in Whoever. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says all have sinned. Everybody in here is a sinner. We've all sinned. Some we think to a higher degree than others, but not in God's eyes. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, 
Whoever. That's whatever sin you've got. That's whatever past you've got. That's whatever hurt or habit or hang-up you've got. You can scratch whoever out in your Bible and write in me if you want to. That's what whoever means. Now, we're going to jump to the seventh part of this verse. The shall not perish, but have eternal life. We'll come back to the sixth part in just a moment. Shall not perish, but have have eternal life. What this tells us is, no matter what man says, the book says there are two places. Two eternal places. Two places to spend eternity. One is a place of perishing. One is a place of eternal life. One is a place of death and torment. One is a place of joy and life. That's the story of the Bible. There are men that will tell you there's no such place as hell. There are men that will tell you there's no such place as heaven. And if you want to live by that, go ahead. But if you want to live by the book, you need to understand this basic principle of the Bible, that there are two places to live eternally, heaven or hell. And everyone is going to go to one or the other. That's the book. Now what this verse says is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So there is an opportunity to live eternally and not perish. There's a way to to not have to go to the place of eternal death and damnation. There's a way to go to the eternal life. Everlasting life, the place of joy, heaven we call it. That's what this part of it tells us. There's that opportunity that we can have eternal life. Now all of the verses set this up and the sixth part, believes in him, is the essential part. Let's go to the sixth part there. He believes in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now this is, the reason I put this last is because we've got to understand this one. We're going to know this verse. We've got to know this part. Believing in Jesus. That's what it says. Believe in Him. Believing in Jesus means more than believing about Jesus. And we've got to understand that. Now, many people stop right here. This series about living eternally by the book, or I think we're going to have four lessons in it. Many people would stop right here and say that's the end of it. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Okay, good. You're going to live eternally. That would be the end of the story. It's not what this verse says. This verse says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life and not perish. There's a difference, a big difference, between believing in Jesus and believing about Jesus. We've got to understand that so we'll know this verse. So let me tell you two illustrations and then we'll be done. In June, chap- in June 30th, 1859, a French acrobat, a tightrope walker, a guy named Charles Blondin, the great Blondin, 
stretched 1,100 feet of rope across the Niagara Falls Gorge, 160 feet above the water. And he walked across it. Uh, it amazed the world. Uh, he did a lot of amazing things. He was a fantastic acrobat. He didn't just walk across the rope. Uh, he did it again and again. He walked out to the middle and did a handstand. He walked out to the middle and did a headstand. One time he carried a chair out there with him and balanced the chair on one leg and sat down in the chair. He was a great acrobat. He was a great tightrope walker. Well, Mr. Blondine actually pushed people across the falls in a wheelbarrow. He once carried a man across on his back. Story goes that the guy got nervous and started complaining and worrying, and Blondine told him if he didn't shut up, he was going to set him down. <laughs> so he, he cleaned that up pretty quick. Anyhow, Blondine was an amazing character. Uh, from his exploits, there's come a story, I don't know if it's true, but it's a favorite preacher illustration about belief, about what we're talking in today. The story goes that he walked back and forth a few times and did some of his tricks and then got the wheelbarrow out and asked the crowd who was just out of their mind cheering and praising him and in adoration of what he had done. He got the wheelbarrow out and he said, how many of you believe that I can push this across the rope? Everybody. I believe that. Sure you can do that. And he said, well, who, who will get in? Nobody responded. The story goes. And that story, while it may be apocryphal, illustrates the fact that there's a huge difference in believing that something can happen. Believing about. So everybody believed that he could do that. Everybody believed all that they'd seen about Blondine. But putting your life in his hands. Believing in him. Is something different. Now we're not going to go into all the Greek and all that. But the Bible uses a couple of Greek words. And you can tell the difference. When it's talking about believing that something. Or believing about something. Or believing in something. And John 3.16 says if you believe in Jesus. It's talking about the trust. It's talking about relying solely on him. Like the person in the wheelbarrow is doing nothing on their own. They're not accomplishing it. They're trusting completely in the great Blondine. Now, that's one illustration. Second illustration, I personally understood the concept of believing in on a rafting trip one day. In West Virginia, the Golly River, rated number five whitewater rapids in the world. It's a great place to whitewater rapid. And this is a picture of me and my two sons and my brother-in-law and my nephew and our guide in one of the Class 5 rapids. Now, if you know something about whitewater rafting, you know they classify rapids from 1 to 6. 1 is just kind of moving water. Uh, I don't think the Arkansas River would qualify, but <laughs> almost anything above that is a Class 1 river. 
class two is a little rougher, or class three is a little rougher. Class six is basically impossible. Very few people can go through a class six rapid and live. Class five is about as uh, is as wild as anybody can humanly go through, basically. Uh, the official classification, I looked it up just to see, it says this. A class five rapid is extremely difficult, long, and very violent, with highly congested routes, routes which should be scouted from shore. Rescue conditions are difficult, and there is a significant hazard to life in the event of a mishap. It is the upper limit of what is possible in a commercial raft. That's a class five rapid. Uh, most rapids around here and in Colorado, there are very few class five rapids. The upper gully that we rafted has five class five rapids on it in 13 miles. Got a lot of other rapids, but it's got five that are rated class five. Now, now knowing that, we went to the gully. Uh, the, the Gully, Upper Gully River, they average about one death a year, sometimes more, some almost always one. It's a dangerous place. You have to, believe it or not, you have to sign a whole lot of paper before they'll let you go do this. But we signed all the papers. We paid our fee. We we did all of that. They told us where to go and which boat to stand by and that our guide would come and take us on the trip. So we went and waited by our boat, and pretty soon here came a group of guides walking down to all these boats. And naturally, we began to kind of size them up. Yeah, the guy looks like he could be a pretty good guide. He looks like he knows what he's doing. He looks tough. I think he'd be a good one. And on and on, and the guides got closer and closer, and they began to separate and go to their boats. And the one that came to us was the girl. Now, I'm not a male chauvinist, but you remember that part about significant hazard to life? That's what we're going to do. And this girl comes toward us and tells us her name is Jackie and she's our guide. Now, she had a guide t-shirt on. She had, had the uniform. She was with all of the other guides. She started giving instructions and telling us what to do like she was a guide. So I believed that she was a guide. But I wasn't sure that I wanted my life in her hands. I believed that she was a guide. I just didn't believe in her yet. So Jackie gave us all the instructions. She told us, you got to do exactly what I say. If you do exactly what I say, when I say it, we'll live through this thing. And we took off in the boat with Jackie as our guide, and we began to encounter rapids, and we learned how she did things. Before we'd get to a rapid, she'd pull over to the side of the river, and she'd explain, all right, now here's how we're going through this rapid. You remember it said on class fives, you got to know what route you're taking through before you go or you'll get in trouble. So she'd tell us, she said, we're going to go head toward that rock and then we're going to cut right and we're going to go here. And if somehow we flip, swim to the left side of the river in this rapid because over there's an undercut that will get you under that rock. And a Navy SEAL died there two years ago. So you swim that direction. She'd give us all these instructions. 
And then she'd say, here we go. And we'd go through. And if we did exactly what she told us, we shot right through the rapids. And on many of them, we'd pull over at the end of it and get over to the side and celebrate a little bit. And then sit there and watch other people coming through the rapids. Now, I learned something as I watched others come through the rapids. The others had a lot more trouble than we did. The others would take a little different route sometimes and get in trouble. They'd flip the boat. They'd get stuck somewhere. They'd have to paddle out of something that they shouldn't have had to. And I began to understand that our guide was better than the other guides. And after we went through a number of Class 5 rapids and we did them all just amazingly well, without any troubles, and we watched other people have so many troubles, I began to understand that we had the best guide on the river. Jackie was a West Virginia girl. She'd grown up close to the river a couple of miles from it and had been on the river all her life. She knew what she was doing. In fact, one time we were going through a rapid and we hit this one monster wave that kind of sneaked up on us. And I was in the back sitting beside Jackie and I I looked over and she was leaving the boat. It had flipped her and she was heading out of the boat. And I reached over and grabbed her by the back of the life jacket and drug her back in. I said, I am not going down to Golly without my jacket. (laughs) She she had to be there. Okay. What had happened? Well, I'd gone from believing that she was a guide to believing in her as a guide. We all survived it. We had a great time. Great experience. We decided a couple of years later that maybe we ought to go again. So we began to discuss going again, all of us that had gone. We all agreed that we ought to go again on one condition. You know what it was. We assigned somebody to call ahead and see if Jackie was still there. We'd be happy to do it again if God Jackie could go with us. We all believed in her. Now, at 8 in the first morning, they told me she was a guide. And I believed all they told me about her. But I didn't believe in her. By the end of the day, she had my complete trust. I believed in her. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. Hopefully, we know our verse a little bit better now. Hopefully, we know the pieces of what it means. But knowing it is just our first step. Our plan for this whole series, our whole year, is we're going to know one part of the book. And then we're going to repeatedly speak that part of the book. And then we're going to act on the truth that is in that book. Now, I put at the end of your handout my plan for living by the book this week. You've got one verse. It's all you need to focus on this week. I suggest you write down your plan for what you're going to do about that verse this week. 
Now, mainly this week, my suggestion is that you speak this verse. Yeah, almost everybody knows it already. If not, you can learn it in the next five minutes on your way home. Learn it real quickly. Uh, speak it. Repeat it. Think about it. Think about each part that we went through. Ask yourself, God, do I believe in God? Yeah, yeah, I believe who he is, and I believe that he rewards people go through it. Some of you might not. You may need to visit with somebody about that or do some more reading. But think about that part. Think about how he loved the world. Think about his one and only son. Go read in the Gospels. Read the story of the old rugged cross. And when you get to that part about believing, think to yourself, do I believe in him? Oh, I, I know the Jesus story. I know the baby in the manger story, and I know the resurrection story on Easter, and I know all about him. But do I trust him? Do I trust in him? Ask yourself this, how am I planning on getting to heaven? You may be trusting in kind of the things Nicodemus did. I'm going to be good enough, and I'm going to come to church enough times, and I'm going to read the Bible enough, and then I'll get to heaven. You need to know this verse. And as you speak it, do I believe in him? Do I trust him and him alone, not anything that I do? Now, living eternally by the book, this is the first step. Believe in Jesus. Action, there's not much there to do yet. The next three weeks we'll get a little more things to act on. But for this time, your action plan ought to be to speak this verse repeatedly this week and ask yourself questions about it. Next week, we're going to continue living eternally by the book. And we're going to talk about repenting and confessing. Because the book says those are very, very important parts of living eternally. We're going to sing a song now. We call it a song of invitation, but it's got the sermon right in it. It says, I believe that he stilled the storm on Galilee. I believe that he walked on water. I believe that he died on Mount Calvary. I believe that the tomb was found empty. And then the song goes on, and I believe that he's the answer for me. If you believe this morning that he's the answer for you and you know enough about the plan of living eternally by the book that you're ready to respond and obey in baptism, we'd love to help you. If you're not there yet, speak this verse repeatedly this week. Come back next week and find out what the book says about living eternally. If you need to come today, come, let's stand and sing.